Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, a roughly one-hour, unscripted, interactive, conversational Bible study between a group of genuine misfits transformed by God's amazing grace. My name is Zach Adams, I'm a Christ follower, husband of one, father of three, uh, diehard Atlanta Braves fan, world champs. Uh, I'm incredibly blessed to pastor a local church called Calvary 316. Uh, the greatest church around. If you'd like to learn more about the church, we're located just outside of Athens, Georgia. Just visit calvary316.com. As always, I'm joined in the studio by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro behind the madness, the producer of this dysfunction, my partner in crime, Creighton Vaughn. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a joy. Hey, y'all. So I got So since the last time we were uh, we were doing this, so we took. We took last week off because it was uh, World Series. We were all in a World Series hangover, um, a lull, sort of speak. And uh, but since then, you have changed your look really since the last time we were on air quite a bit. You got rid of the beard. You went high and tight, and and you were rocking um, like a 1920s villain mustache. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with a dick dastardly look tonight. A dick dastardly. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, you know, that's the goal. That's the goal. So you got to get some wax to kind of roll that baby out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, has, has your mother actually seen this look? No, she is not. She- uh, my mom hasn't, but my dad will on Saturday. I'm going to see him on Saturday. Your dad so, will. Yeah. I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about your dad's reaction in any way. I'm more concerned about how your mom uh, will will react to it. But uh, oh, it'll be interesting. So explain to the audience uh, how they can interact with the show in real time. Uh, we are live on both Facebook and Twitter, not Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Same I don't know thing. why I said Twitter. I'm whatever. It's the mustache. Uh, so we're live on both Facebook and YouTube. They have comment sections on the right hand side of the video. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, want to compliment me on my beautiful mustache, um, you can type those in there and I am in the live chat. So I will see them. Um, if it is a comment pertinent to the uh, conversation at hand, or if it's something about my mustache that's positive, I will share it on the air. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you're the gatekeeper, a hundred percent. We are also joined in studio tonight by two of our brothers, uh, as always, Deal Daddy Derek, Derek so, Kennedy. We are and, here, and Justin Holcomb, who's been with us before and is going to be more of a regular coming up. I need a cool nickname. You need a cool nickname. Yeah. I feel a little left out. I don't know what it would be. Okay. By the end of the show, yeah, Derek, you've got to you've got to do a little brainstorming and come up with some options. Yeah, I'm that, spinning right now. Yeah. Just yeah, like Jay we Hulker, Holcomb, the Jay Joker, something. I don't know. Okay. We'll figure it out. Let's, yeah. Like you're not good at freestyling <laughs> off the top of no, your head. No, not nickname. That was that was terrible. So we're gonna give hey. you the whole episode. So you got the whole hour to All think right. through a few nickname options. We won't commit to anything. Uh, Nick, who is typically with us, is uh, is under the weather uh, today, and so Nick, we wish you the best. Hope you get feeling better. Hope you're back with us next week. Justin Unchained. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> you got to keep these to yourself until yeah, until the, the end. Wonder. Now, now I will say, Justin, as always, you're going to have to project. You got to be loud. I'm and try. I, 
with an overbearing presence of a man my size, I, I you have to calm down a little bit so people aren't so afraid. So big stick, soft voice. Yeah, we 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 need big personality. <laughs> I will say, like big I'll stick. Say, yeah, I will say, <laughs> leading into tonight's <laughs> yeah. episode, these guys were out of control, <laughs> and if they bring the same energy tonight, tonight will be very interesting to say the least. If you are new to the Outlaw Radio Show, and again, we've uh, last couple weeks things have kind of been thrown a, a bit for a loop. Uh, uh, we are Atlanta Braves fans, and so for two Wednesdays, uh, they had games at 8 o'clock, uh, and so we we bumped things up to 7, and then like I mentioned last week with the World Series, we just took the week off. Woo. Uh, we were back to the normal routine of 8 o'clock, but if you're new, let me explain very quickly uh, kind of how the show works. First, the show is designed to be interactive, so um, if you're listening on the podcast, so the episode gets released on the, the podcast the day after it's recorded, it's live stream. So if you're listening on the podcast, check out the live stream again, Wednesday nights at eight o'clock because the show is designed, it's crafted, it intends to be interactive. So you, the, the audience, we're, we're live. You're more than welcome. In fact, we encourage you to interact. Uh, a few minutes ago, Creighton explained how to do that. Just drop uh, your feedback in the comments section whether you're watching on facebook.com slash the radio outlaw uh, or our YouTube channel outlawradio.live. The show is designed to be interactive. So if the Lord puts a, a question on your mind about the topic we're discussing and presses uh, something um, of value, if there's something you want to share, question, comment, feedback, etc., cetera, uh, Creighton will be monitoring the comment section. We'd love to include that. Um, the show is also designed to be a conversation. That's why uh, Derek and Justin and, and Creighton are here in the studio. And so we're going to have a conversational uh, Bible study, again, between a group of friends, misfits transformed by God's grace. Uh, but mainly uh, what makes the Outlaw Radio Show unique, um, yes, it's a Bible study, but it is an unscripted Bible study. Uh, this takes me way outside of my comfort zone. So if you've ever gone to Calvary 316 or heard me preach, I am scripted, uh, completely scripted. I type out my Bible studies in full, but this is not that. In fact, when I say unscripted, I have no idea what the topic is that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, the only person that knows is Creighton, and so in a few minutes, Creighton will introduce the topic, and at that point, uh, it's my job to turn it into a Bible study uh, with these guys' help. Before we get to that, a couple things I do want to just throw out there. Tomorrow is um, it's kind of an important day in American culture. It is what we call Veterans Day. So it is a day that we kind of uh, societally set aside uh, to recognize and honor all of the men and women um, who've put on the uniform, um, all of the, the men and women that have served our country um, in the armed forces, what, whatever the branch happens to be. And I, I just want to say we have several friends that are um, uh, in the military. We have several friends that uh, have served. And uh, whether you're active or retired, uh, we just want to say thank you so much uh, for your service. Uh, because of what you've done, you've enabled our freedom. Uh, you have have served to protect um, our ability uh, to freely talk about Jesus and to share the love of Jesus, uh, to be a witness of Jesus, and uh, and that's such a powerful thing. And 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 freedoms beyond just religious freedoms, the freedom of um, of thought, the freedom of of speech, the freedom to bear arms. Uh, you and your service and sacrifice um, have enabled um, our lives uh, to be able to be lived in such a manner. And so, again, if you've served or are serving, uh, thank you so much for what you've done. Uh, we love you. We're, th we're thankful of you. We appreciate you. 
And uh, and most importantly, uh, we are praying for you that the Lord would keep you safe uh, and give you wisdom um, as you do what you do. Um, with before I kind of transition from there, you guys have anything you want to say uh, just about uh, the veterans? Again, I know you guys know know folks as well. Yeah, no, I've had plenty of family uh, that served in multiple branches of the, whether it be Army, Navy, Marines, you know, everything. So Coast Guard is part yeah, of the Armed Forces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Space so, Force. No, it is a huge blessing to think about everybody who has served. So, no, very thankful for that. What about you, Justin? You have the same. Uh, it, and then the more I've lived outside the U.S., the more I've come to appreciate that that ability for them to protect our freedom. It just become you, more and more. <laughs> you want to yeah, talk right. about I like it just a thankless job too, you know, right. especially in the political climate that that we're in. Um, I think you know it used to be that that the one thing, um, you know, we live in a melting pot with a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. Uh, the one thing that did always kind of unify, it seemed to unify, uh, the country was um, an appreciation for those that would 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 serve that would. Um, would wear the uniform. Um, I think it's a shame. Sure. There have been periods of, of, of history where society has maybe um, had issues with certain wars and conflicts and protested uh, those things, but there was still a respect to honor. Uh, there was a code, you know, that those that did make the sacrifice would be honored and respected. And it's a shame that we were kind of losing a bit of that, I think in, in our culture and uh, and as Christians, I think we should we should counteract that and just be more than willing to express our gratitude, not just to the veterans, but also to you know the fire department and the the first line workers and the police and all those that that make sacrifices. These are professions where um, they're not doing it for the paycheck because the pay is not great. Uh, it, it's taxing on their families. Um, a lot of the times, you have to move around and you have to be flexible in that. Uh, it can be rough on families, uh, even just the anxiety of having someone in, in a combat zone and the stress that that brings. And, and for those that have experienced the ultimate loss and losing someone, uh, they, they don't do this for for pay. They do this as of a calling, you know, something that God has called them to do. And, and so, again, for, for that, um, so appreciative. Um, kind of segueing, I, I do want to point one thing out. I'm not going to spend too much time, guys, on this, but... Um, from a personal standpoint, I, I want to share uh, that over the last couple of weeks uh, in my family, uh, we've had a loss. Um, so years ago, uh, my my mom's dad, so my my biological grandfather, Lyle Weldon, uh, died when my mom was very young. Uh, my mom, I believe, was 10 years old. My aunt was 12. My uncle was eight. Uh, my grandmother, uh, as a widow, uh, raised, uh, raised them, raised uh, my mom and her siblings, um, until they were off to college, and and she moved back to Oregon with my uncle, and ended up meeting uh, a gentleman by the name of P.J. Heath, uh, who himself uh, happened to be uh, a widower, and they fell in love, and P.J. married my grandmother, and again this was a couple years before I was even born, and um, and provided a wonderful life for my grandmother, loved her. Uh, served her, was an example of what a husband um, was to be, had his own kids from, from the previous marriage, uh, but uh, kind of adopted uh, my mom, my aunt, my uncle as his own. 
um, loved us um, when we came around and uh, was just a, a wonderful man. And he passed away at the age of 98. Um, you know, nothing in particular um, life, you know, everybody dies. And so just lived a full life, uh, an exemplar, uh, exemplary, exemplary. Yeah. I can't even say it. <laughs> just was a good man and was a veteran, uh, served in World War II, uh, which is amazing. Again, 98 years old, seen a lot of life, uh, had a, a, a military funeral, was honored in that regard. Um, just a good man. One of the things, uh, again, it being Veterans Day tomorrow kind of brings into mind. Uh, but he also really, so he was not a Protestant. He was a Catholic. He was a Roman Catholic. Diehard Notre Dame Irish fan. Um, uh, but when when I hear Protestants just kind of with a, a broad brush paint all Catholics into one particular category um, of being a not Christian, um, I th immediately think of PJ and believe that that's nonsense. Now, theologically, there are a lot of things that I probably and, and did disagree with, uh, but the man loved Jesus and was faithful um, to his religious convictions. It was not a, a superficial thing. He was, he was dedicated and committed. And uh, again, just a good man, veteran, and he'll be missed uh, by his family for sure. All that said, um, Creighton, what is the topic at hand? Uh, you drop it. We're going to talk about it. And then, Justin, don't let me forget uh, that by the end of today's episode, we do want to take about five minutes and chat a little bit about our Atlanta Braves because this is an important an important week. Uh, World Series champs. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> so, Creighton, what, what are we talking about? Today? All right. So, um, on Sunday in your Bible study, you made a comment that I've heard, you know, I don't know, probably a thousand times uh, growing up in the church. And every time I've ever heard it, I've always had the same thought and I've never gotten a good, like a cohesive single thing answer for it. What you said was that um, the Bible says counted all trials or counted all joy when you go into trials and that when we're in trials, there's a good chance that it is, um, or there's a chance that if it is from Satan, if Satan is trying us, if Satan is attacking us, that is because we're doing something good and Satan attacks those who do good, which makes sense. Um, and so the question is, does that mean that if you are not being attacked, if you're in a season that is good for an extended period of time, are you not doing good is there, should you change something such that Satan deems you worthy of attacking? Okay, with that question ringing out there, uh, before I share anything at all, um, I want to I throw it to, to Derek and Justin very quickly. And I want to get you guys' read on the essence of the question and make sure that we've got this all kind of unpacked as to what we want to discuss tonight. So you heard what Creighton just said. Derek, you first, and then Justin. What's the essence of, of the topic for tonight? Of, like, if... So obviously, if Satan's trying to attack you, it means you're doing the work of God. Like, you're doing the work for his kingdom, you know, through him, by him, whatever. So obviously, he's trying to hinder that and trying to impede on whatever God's trying to do through you. And Is that in the essence? So if you're 
if nothing bad is happening to you in trying to do those things for the Lord, does that mean that, oh, well, I'm not doing anything. Should I do more? Is that in essence what it is? Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, my immediate answer is like, well, no, I mean, God's purpose for everyone is different and God's handle on our lives is would not, it would succeed whatever he's trying to do. But I do get that like, oh, well, does that mean every person needs to constantly go through a trial at some point or at, at all the time if they're doing the work of the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. Justin, what, what's kind of your interpretation of this question, your insight into to what we're, we're going to unpack? Well, I, I understand the question and the, the essence of it. Um, but at the same time, I have some, I guess, some opinions on it. Well, yeah. let's, let's, let's do uh, that. Let's that's start here we'll for. Through, yeah. Well, I know. I didn't know if you wanted to go right no, off let's, the bat. No, let's dive into it before, before I, I, think I get into the topic the, itself. Let's share The thoughts. way I look at it is I think, I think that's a very, uh, I don't want to say narrow-minded, but kind of a, a, a fine line between you're not being attacked it's it, or if you're being attacked at satan to if you're being attacked or you're having a bad time maybe you're just doing stupid stuff or maybe it's just bad stuff happening and it's not always going to be a devil underneath every mm-hmm. every rock or bad thing and I, I think that's where a lot of people start going to when you start getting into this yeah Every bad thing that happens to me, I is keep doing safe. drugs and bad things are happening to me. God, why right. is this happening to? It's why the am devil I being persecuted? Yeah. yeah, but at the same <laughs> like, time, <laughs> but at the same time, that good battle strategy of Satan, in essence, is if I'm doing something to hurt his kingdom, he's gonna attack. He's not just gonna stand by and let that happen. So, right, it, and how much you nitpick too? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm reading my Bible every morning, and every morning. Um, somebody comes up to the door and knocks. Is this Satan trying to distract me from reading my Bible? Like you know, <laughs> like that that meme that meme that's like, uh, there's a storm. Satan whisper or whatever. The storm's coming, and I whisper back, yeah. I am the storm. Or it's so like much. that one guy. He's like, Lord, why do you give me your hardest battles? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, You ate a twelve pack of tacos from Taco Bell. <laughs> 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 it's like so sometimes it's on us but yeah where do you draw that line that right and i totally understand um what you mean justin about like like not all i misspoke at the beginning not all trials are satan some trials that i've had are because of creighton and because creighton is dumb. no no that's not what i was saying that you said i was saying oh. that i think there's a fine line where some people take it yeah that extra step too far right. yeah from hearing i'm doing i'm doing stuff so satan's attacking me to I'm just being stupid, right, which is yeah. more often than not the case, um, and at least in my life. Yeah. So <laughs> that comes to, are you doing, doing God's work or not? Well, it's good that, that, that one meme is a good example of yeah. that. Why are you giving me your hardest battles? And he's like, I just, you just ate 12 tacos. Yeah. It's not right. That's on that, you. That's on you kind of thing. So, yeah, I get the gist of the question. Right. So the, the heart of the question, because uh, I'm trying to think of like which, which direction to start with. Mm-hmm. is, I guess, let's go with the most simplistic component to it. Um, if you're not being attacked, is that the evidence that you are somehow not doing the right thing? Yes. Satan only attacks those in whom he's threatened by. So if you're not being attacked, is that somehow the evidence that maybe you're not doing the right thing? How, how do you define, though, how do you define being attacked See, I, that's and great. just having a bad mm-hmm. time? That's great, and and I would and I would probably start there. Like, let's define uh, being attacked. Uh, 
Um, and then and then unpack the question itself. Spiritual warfare, we know from not just one passage of Scripture, but, but really the overarching story arc of the Bible. There is a very real enemy, uh, an enemy against God and an enemy against the people of God. Uh, there is a very real opposition, uh, not just Satan, but his cohorts of fallen angels and demons. Uh, Paul, in Ephesians 6, lists principalities and powers, the darkness of this age, what all those things are, who knows, you know, exactly the particulars. But there are evil forces in our world, uh, antithetical to the things of God, and active against the people of God. And so uh, there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. The Bible, again, uh, we're not cherry-picking one passage of Scripture. There, there's, um, again, it's, it's consistent throughout the, the story arc of the Bible. Uh, Jesus was very transparent. We, this past Sunday, we're working our way through the Beatitudes. And Jesus, you know, after listing out all these characteristics that his disciples are supposed to emulate, the be attitudes, not the, the, the do attitudes, not things we're to do, you know, he says, blessed are the peacemakers or the peaceable. And then he immediately segues into blessed are the persecuted. And Jesus, very unique to him as a religious leader, you know, when Muhammad, you know, started his movement, um, it was uh, a rallying cry of victory and domination um, but Jesus, his rallying cry was persecution, <laughs> opposition. You know, he says, if they persecute me, don't have any expectation that they're not going to persecute you um, as well. And we understand that the attacks of the enemy come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, Satan can attack us personally, individually on a spiritual plane. Uh, it's been mentioned already, but um, we can be attacked through temptation the enticement to do wrong, to do evil, to act contrary uh, to the will and purposes of God in our lives. Um, so temptation exists. Trial. Um, you know, there are, you know, storms in the Bible are often allegories um, for, you know, the, 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 the spiritual realm. Um, there are two different kinds of storms we find in Scripture, and I think this is a great caveat to what Justin was sharing. There are what I would call storms of disobedience, you know, so these are storms where um, we find ourselves in the middle of a very difficult trial, mainly because we were stupid. <laughs> like it's a trial allowed by God, but maybe not necessarily promoted by the enemy, but just brought on by our stupidity. Um, a great example of one of those types of trials um, would be Jonah. You know, Jonah found himself in a storm. Um, on the Mediterranean Sea for only one reason. He was running from the will and purposes of God for his life to the point that the ship is going to go down and he acknowledges this. And he's like, hey, the only remedy is you got to throw me overboard. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm the one bringing the ship down because I'm in rebellion against God. Um, he's not saying this is the enemy. Uh, no, this is my stupidity. Um, so he finds himself in the water. He's in a trial, but it's a trial of his own making. So redirection versus a genuine like temptation or storm. It's a correction. Yeah, correction. It's a correction. It's it's a storm um, that's allowed for disciplinary reasons. Um, you know, sometimes you do this in, in child child raising. You know, in rearing children, um, you see that okay, your your kid is is not doing well in school. Uh, you keep 
harping on them about their grades. You keep stressing the importance of the homework. Um, they're not getting the message. And so ultimately you allow what? The failing grade. Um, knowing that there's consequences. You got to redo the class. You know, or you have to stay for extra work. You know, you, you allow them a hardship intentionally for the purposes of correction. Again, it's not the enemy. It's not the attack of the enemy. Um, it's, it's, you know, kind of the, you, you shot yourself in the foot. Don't blame the enemy. Don't, don't blame the army across, across the field when you shot yourself. You know, this was you shooting yourself. But there are also, biblically, what we would call um, storms of obedience. Um, great example of this is the disciples. You know, when Jesus tells them to get into the boat to go across the sea, I'll meet you on the other side. They do. They get in the boat. They're making their way across the Sea of Galilee, and there's a, a mighty tempest. Um, there's a storm. They're in the storm not because they were being disobedient to God. In fact, they're in the storm for the very reason that they were being obedient to what Jesus had told them to do. It was not their fault. Uh, they have these headwinds that are against them, and we're told that the word tempest, seismos, uh, indicates that there might have been a demonic element to it, that that, that the storm of obedience that God allowed the enemy to attack them um, for larger purposes, because ultimately Jesus would walk across the water. Um, and you have this famous scene where, you know, they think it's a ghost. They freak out. Uh, they recognize it's the Lord. Peter says, hey, I'd like to come walking with you. <laughs> Jesus is like, come on. And he took a couple steps and then got his eyes off of Jesus, started to sink. And, and a wonderful lesson, the storm of obedience enabled God to, to teach them in a very important lesson. Again, not it was not one of disobedience. It was one not one of correction, but of growth. You know, sometimes we have to go through stretching seasons, sometimes difficulties. So there are all kinds of different attacks. Um, I, I will take one step backwards, and this gets to kind of the essence of your question, Creighton. Um, we had this story in the Old Testament. It's, it's a big book. Um, it's long. I don't know how many people do a lot of devotions in the book of Job. Uh, we, we don't really even know when the book of Job was written. Uh, there seems to be some evidence that, that Job might have lived prior to Noah's flood. We, we really have no uh, definitive idea. We do know uh, that it is likely the oldest book in the Bible, um, that it was compiled, uh, written uh, before uh, Moses, before Moses compiled Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Very important book. If it is, therefore, the first book, God's first revelation to man, it's fascinating than the subject matter. Because the subject matter of Job deals with this particular issue. Job, if you've never read the book of Job, uh, opens in the heavenly realm. So Job was a, a righteous man. Uh, he was a good man. Um, he was a man doing the right things, a man that loved God, a man that served God, a man that had a, 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 a wife and a family and a career and a job and servants, and he was doing all of the right things. And God knew what was going on in Job's life, and so did the enemy, so did Satan. And so the first two chapters, we, we get this, this glimpse into the heavenly realm where the enemy, Satan, is in the throne room of God. God is pointing out the righteousness of this man, Job, 
And what does Satan say? Satan makes the, the, the comment that Job is living this blessed life. Why? Because there's not any opposition. Now, we know that anything that, that comes into our lives, like Satan doesn't operate freely. Um, he is a created being. He is a, a being in dominion. Uh, he's under authority. Specifically, he's under the authority of God. Satan cannot operate in this world without the permission um, of God, which is very then interesting in regards to this whole particular topic because if you have Job and he is declared righteous, blessed, Satan comes and says, hey, the reason for this in his positive attitude is because there hasn't been opposition. Um, d- doesn't that give us some insight into the, the question? Because was Job doing the wrong thing and that was why he wasn't being attacked? No, because then Satan wouldn't have gone to... Correct. Wouldn't have gone to God to... You'd be Satan. So, so yeah. the the, the short Satan. end the short end answer to your question is Job tells us that just because your life isn't experiencing opposition, just because you aren't being necessarily tempted, although I think we're always tempted, um, just because there's not like some tangible evidence of the opposition or attack of the enemy, um, isn't necessarily to be viewed um, as the evidence that that you are not living the right way, that you're not a threat. Could just be a season of calm, season of peace. Exactly. Like said, we have four different seasons in the year for a reason. I mean, we have different seasons in our life of, you know, seasons of rest or seasons of struggle. Like it just, it is what it is. And, and it's been said that everyone in regards to a storm, everybody has three perspectives of storms. Everyone is in uh, blue skies. And there's a storm ahead. Whether they can see it or not, there is one. It's inevitable. We're told, count it all joy when you face trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance endurance. And James writes about this uh, very eloquently. So there is, there is blue skies with a storm somewhere in the horizon in, in our future. That's true. And then there are those that are in a storm, you know, and, and, and storms are very disorienting. If you've ever experienced, again, difficulties, whether it's a storm of obedience or one of disobedience, uh, it, it strengthens, it, it stretches our faith. Um, it, it causes a greater re- resil- resilience and dependency on the Lord. Um, you know, you, you want Jesus in the boat during storms. And, and then the third perspective is that you know, there are people that are exiting storms and there are blue skies ahead. You know, everyone's in one of those categories. Like everyone watching or listening, you're either in a, in a wonderful season of life um, and so at some point in the future, there's a hardship coming or you're in the hardship and, and there, it doesn't feel like there's an end in sight or you're at the tail end of the storm and the clouds are beginning to clear Hope is beginning to stir. Um, good things are ahead. Back to the question, Job is a great example of how the lack of opposition shouldn't be seen as the evidence that you're doing something wrong. Job is the example of quite the opposite. 
it doesn't negate the fact that Satan does only attack those in whom he's threatened by because Job is then also a great example of that because he's a guy. He gets a little attacked. Right. He's the guy <laughs> making uh, making headway. He's the guy uh, that, um, that Satan feels compelled to bring to God's attention, you know? And... And then his story gets very difficult. Uh, Job's story begins in blue skies. It descends into a storm. And then it ends with a clearing. You know, again, a great example. Fascinating. God's first story demand. God's first uh, communication to humanity. If Job is the first book um, of the Bible, um, is, um, is the acknowledgement of this particular reality. A reality that no one can escape. To me, I think... Uh, the statement Satan's only he only attacks those in whom he's threatened by intends to provide meaning and purpose in the person uh, being attacked um, because w- when you're in the midst of 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 that attack of the enemy whatever that happens to look like whether it's in, in, in an incredible time um, of temptation whether it's um, opposition that really challenges the the bedrock of one faith uh, whether it's just um, difficulty and hardship and just some of the trials of just living in a fallen place, or it's the active persecution that you are on the other side of the firing line. Um, Whatever the attack or the motivation for the person experiencing it, that is evidence um, that, that, that the enemy finds whatever's happening in your life to be a threat you know, a great, a great book that illustrates this. And Justin, I know you, you can speak to this. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, a book called The Screwtape Letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, as a matter of fact, Justin, you want to kind of throw out the premise of the book? Uh, You're a I, big C.S. Lewis fan. I am. Uh, I guess the premise of it, you got to think of Satan and his cohorts as a, as a business, per se, with each, each demon or, or fallen angel, I guess you could say, uh, and different tiers of management. And so the whole premise of the book is this this higher-level demon is writing to his nephew, a lower-level demon. Screw tape and wormwood. Yeah, who's in charge of a human. Uh, and, and He's been assigned, been assigned to assigned one a person. Human, one person whose his job is to tempt him and to keep him away from, from Christ. And then at the... I don't want to give away the book if you've never. The never. book's been out for like seven it years. Has, so I know, we're way beyond some, spoiler alerts. I, the whole thing is, it's it's from the perspective temptations from the perspective of a demon or the fallen angel of the tempter of uh, the tempter and how how they interact with those who are not uh, marked by Christ and then those afterwards are marked by Christ. Where, where does that dynamic change happen, I guess, is a good good way to put it. But what the book does, and again, it's a fictional a fictional story written is by C.S. Though? Lewis. It- <laughs> right, right. You know, um, C.S. Lewis was pushed, pressed by his publisher to write a second uh, book, um, and he refused, would not do it. And, and his justification was that he had to go into such a dark place um, to imagine, to conceive of, um, of how demons, how the enemy um, craft their attacks. Well, I think it's because when you become a Christian, like, 
you're born again. You're a new creation. So for you to imagine these evil acts is just yeah, it, it's going to be tired. It is. Yeah. So he was like, no, I, I won't do it. Like he refused to refused to write a second mm. second book. At the very end of his life, though, he wrote kind of uh, an amendment, for lack of a better way, what, what would you call it a prologue? Epilogue. Epilogue. Prologue's beginning, right? Yep. Epilogue. Um, called Screw Tape Proposes a Toast. So, and, and a lot of the uh, newer copies or editions of the Screw Tape Letters, it's, it's actually included. Mm. Earlier copies, it's not because it wasn't written. Uh, but he wrote it at the end of his life, and, and Screwtape proposes a toast. His nephew's finally graduating, and so he kind of stands up to, pro- to do a toast. And so it's uh, like 15 extra pages, um, but again, just a very dark place. So I guess getting back to your question, Creighton, because you're the one introducing the topic, if you are getting applicational here, if you're in a, like a good spot in life, man, and, and you're like, you know, like, things are good. Like, I'm working. God's blessing. My life is fruitful. I really don't have storms. There's no storm clouds. Like, like life is really good right now. That's great. Like, don't, don't think, oh, well, maybe I'm on the wrong side of the, the, the war here. And so I'm, my, my life isn't miserable uh, because I'm doing something wrong. And thus, Satan isn't threatened by me, and, and, and you get in your head in that regard. Oh, yeah. Don't do that, because, man, enjoy it. Like, enjoy, enjoy the good season. And here's why. It won't last. <laughs> yeah. And that's the truth. Like, I'm 38 years old. Not, doesn't mean I've lived a lot of life, but I've lived some life at this point. And, and I look back, and there are very defined times of, of terrible storms. Uh, some of my own making, some not. Some where I, I was completely at the mercy. That's the thing about the weather. You're at the mercy of the weather. You can't control the weather. Um, it happens. And you are along for the ride. And in regards to our spiritual life, I think that when it comes to some of the spiritual forces, because God allows these things. God is in control, of, just as God is in control of the weather... God is in control of the weather of our spiritual life. And some years, man, we have longer springs and, 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 and deeper summers and more fruitful harvests. And the winters aren't that bad. You know, in fact, it, you know, it never really got that cold. And we only had one or two freezes and it was semi-enjoyable. It wasn't bad. Now, there are other years where the spring is short, the summer is brutal, the fall is shorter, and the winter comes with a vengeance you know and that's just the the year it happened to be and the same thing is is within the spiritual life kind of follows the same pattern like if you are in a good year enjoy it man be blessed by it grow in it um be a good chipmunk and store up some stuff (laughs) right you know hold on to some of that because inevitably it doesn't last forever there will be a time where there will be a trial, an attack, uh, the opposition, a storm. And you don't know how long it'll last, but I can promise you it won't last forever. And that's the thing about the way this works. There is something redeeming about it. God allowed it, so he has a purpose behind it. The enemy is wanting, yes, to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Lord is wanting to strengthen and grow and deepen 
You know, all the things that Satan means for our harm, God can turn those things and use them for good. Doesn't make it easy. Still very difficult and hard. Um, but there's a redemption to it. Um, and so if you're in that season where life is good, man, ride it. Um, and if you're in the season where life is not very good, where you're like, man, I am oppressed. I'm in a funk. I'm in a cloud. I've sensed an opposition. Even if it's not something like very tangible, but you can sense it spiritually. It's okay. Like, remember, God has allowed this. These are natural seasons. They don't last forever. And God is wanting to use this for his purposes in your life. Now, it's true. Satan wants to use them for his purposes. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow that. So if you're in a good season, enjoy it. And if you're in a trial, endure it. Both are allowed by God. We shouldn't over overlook either of them as somehow being indicative of, of we're being punished or not. Um, remember that, that because of Jesus and his work on the cross, you have been made righteous before God. And that is a permanent state that cannot be taken from you, which I, I find to be encouraging. So, great. I mean, kind of getting to uh, like that kind of the angle that the thought that that answer your question before I throw it to these these guys over here. Yeah, it really did. Um, that's one of the things that I was been thinking about since Sunday because I am in a pretty good spot right now, and I have been for a little while. And I was like, "Well," uh. um, and because anxiety is one of those things that doesn't let you think straight, I never would have thought of Job while in my anxiety bubble. Mm. Um, so it's great to have someone be like, "Hey, man, you remember that thing?" You're good. I really appreciate that. Let me give you let me give you kind of the the anti-job. This is just as you were talking just a thought that came to me. Saul of Tarsus. I mean lived lived an an a wonderful life. You know, we don't know a lot about his life. He says he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the foremost scholars of the day. Uh, being a Pharisee means he's one of the, the 70 most powerful men in Israel. Um, we can extrapolate that he was married, um, that he was young, that he was wealthy. I, I'm convinced that he was likely the rich young ruler. Another story for another day. Rich, young, and he was a ruler. Life was great uh, for Saul of Tarsus. Uh, he had power. He had prestige. He had notoriety. There was no opposition to Saul's life at all was that the indication he was doing the right thing obviously not obviously mm. not um, and then on his way to Damascus a bright light shines who's known as the light of the world and he says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me and it's Jesus it's hard to kick in against the goads and, and in that moment Saul's life changed forever did his life become easier? Oh, certainly not. No, it became <laughs> way more difficult. But was it more rewarding? I would assume Probably, so. Yes. Yeah, I would absolutely yeah. say so. So my point is that, like, here you have a guy that's doing well, that's blessed, not the evidence that he's right or that he's where he should be. 
So my point is that like kind of inverting your thought is that if your life is, is like great right now, that might not be the indication that, that God's pleased with you either. That's true. Like just mm-hmm. because there is an opposition and just because you're not being resisted doesn't mean and shouldn't be seen as the evidence that, that there's not something terribly wrong. Um, again, that kind of goes both ways, which I think is interesting. Guys, what, what are your thoughts? I had just, it was a quick thought. I was thinking back to the taco thing. And you you just, got your mind stuck on those tacos well, early, early on. <laughs> yeah, but you? this is kind of a different thought. It was like back to what we were talking about. What is a storm? Like as a society, I feel that we're more inclined to be comfortable. So at the slightest bit of inconvenience, we think of it as persecution or a storm. And that could be anything but to really seek out like, okay, is this of God? Uh, I mean, every God's in control. Like, no matter what it is, too, like, regardless of what the storm is. But um, looking at, like, something so minor of, like, oh, this person cut me off. Why do I have to deal with this? And, like, sorting out, is this really a storm or is it not? I think that's what I'm really trying yeah. to get to. Like, and is it actual persecution or is it just you're so comfortable now? You don't know the difference. You know, comfort is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. Not, 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 and, and let me add a caveat. Uh, there are, there are some pastors that, that will say, you know, God doesn't want you to be comfortable. Well, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily see any biblical evidence uh, to say that comfort in and of itself uh, is, is a bad thing. Yeah, we literally have a day of rest for yeah, that right, purpose. For comfort. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, Comfort, what makes it dangerous is it can very quickly lead to apathy and complacency. When you, when you are under a, like a measure of assault, um, life is a little more real. You're a little bit more aware. Subsequently, you recognize I've got to be dependent. You know, it's in it's in times of difficulty that that you'll see your prayer life um, becomes more passionate, more frequent. You're a little bit more apt to be at church because, man, I desperately need this right now. Um, your time in God's Word is more dedicated, more frequent. You know, sometimes when 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 we are removed from comfort, um, good things result. Like the spiritual world is more real. When life is good, the danger of comfort can be complacency, that we let down our guard. Um, that's what I would caution. And that's why I think that, that God allows uh, these seasons for a reason. I, I would say for the Christian, uh, this is just kind of building on the thought. I think the good seasons are often the most dangerous for a Christian than, mm. than the bad ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would, I don't know why, but while you were talking about that, it occurred to me the conversation we had at the beginning of COVID, where we were talking about the church going through a rough season and it making the church stronger. Because it's the same idea. The church gets soft and it fills up with people who aren't necessarily really in it. But speak to your own life. Yeah. Like, because you just yeah. said, you just said, so you, the, the reason that we have this topic is because we went through this beatitude on Sunday about the persecuted. I made this statement 
Satan only attacks those in whom he's threatened by. And your anxiety got pricked about, I'm in a great season. Is this the evidence that... Like, that, that was the essence, the motivation of the question. Yeah. So, let me ask you. You're in this great season. Um, do you find yourself maybe slipping into some apathy? Um, is, what should you do to safeguard against that? You see what I'm saying? Like, I want to kind of throw it your direction because you're in this particular season. Is that more dangerous? It's absolutely more dangerous. Um, I think that one of the things you can do is have a Bible study with your pastor on Wednesday nights. <laughs> so shameless plug for Outlaw Radio. 8 p.m. Wednesday nights. <laughs> um, but yeah, it absolutely is. I know that one of the things that helps is that I have to be at church on Sunday mornings. Yeah, you have to. Be. <laughs> like, there's not. We don't. You have no options. Right. And so I don't have the opportunity. It's have part the of your parole, just, I think, right? Yeah. That yeah, what my we, parole. What we worked out with I'm not state. on parole. Yeah. With Jesus. Also, so if, we I, would, out if I would state. be on parole, it would be federal. <laughs> I, I go big. Go big or go home. <laughs> um, but like being on church on Sundays is big. Um, I try to do things during the week like this and whatnot. But I do agree with you that it is a dangerous place to be, which is probably why my anxiety was pricked in the first place, because I recognize that. Mm. Interesting. Justin, what are your thoughts, man? You've been, you've been quiet for a few minutes. Just letting everybody get their thoughts out. All right. Now, now you're, <laughs> I try, you're, you're I try bringing not to think it. too much. Uh, I'm glad you went with uh, Job as an example. And uh, I, I think another opposite, and it, you don't go into a lot of detail in the book of Job, Job's wife. Oh, she boy. lost her children. She at seems same like time. a real jewel. Well, <laughs> well you got to think she had completely different op- uh, reaction to the same things that were happening to her. She lost all her children. She lost her house. She lost all this. She was in the same place as Job. Why did it, she chose different reaction than Job did? Job, Job chose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And she said, curse God and die. Curse God and die. Right. And so you have two different reactions here when you come eat bad, bad times and good times. Uh, and I think our reactions as Christians should be the same thing. Blessed be the name of the Lord, yeah. whether we're in, the, I like that, that song, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord, or I forgot blessed who sings it. Yeah. Or famine or feast, you know, I'm down on my knees that, yeah. that one, I forgot who sings that, but blessed be the name of the Lord should be our reaction because in the end, our 80 years on average time here in in this world is nothing compared to what's going to happen yeah. for all eternity. Yeah, it's not ours anyway. It's, like the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Right. Too, okay. So, so like, I was going to get to that. You know, one of the interesting things is, uh, so at, at Calvary 316, I'm involved with the worship team. Um, I play bass, but I also play guitar. And, and a lot of times I, I'm the one crafting the set. My point is I'm typically on stage during worship. And I always have this thought that hits me sometimes when we, you know, we pick songs to sing, and you know the congregation just is singing along with these songs, voicing these the words to these songs, and um, and I often sit there thinking like, do you really know what you're singing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. Right. Yeah. You give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like most of us have the reaction of Job's wife, not Job. Right. And that, that's where I'm, even when my life sucks, you know, I, I was doing good in China. Yeah, I was on vacation. Half my stuff is still in China because they wouldn't ship it to me because I was on vacation in another country when they locked down the, the thing. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. Holy fire, burn away. <laughs> my yeah, desire yeah. for anything. And, and you know what? I, I, 
I could have freaked out, and I'm not saying like it sucks. <laughs> it, my Xbox is in a different place. <laughs> I haven't. It's put, in a communist country, yeah, right? Uh, you know, I was. Peeved. It was great. I love being there. I was able to travel all over the world and stuff like that, and and it sucked being stuck away from there without me choosing to leave. Mm. But at the same time, I, I had to just sit back and be like, you know what? Let's be the name of the Lord. Where, right. where, where are yeah. you taking me next? Yeah. And, and I, I think I have to sit back and instead of sitting there saying, woe is me, I have to sit back and just say, you're in control. Bless mm-hmm. be your name. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's a chosen thing, whether that be whether I'm being attacked or in a state of nothingness or in a state of bliss. This is where, this yeah. is where I think not to get too theologically heavy. This is where I think the church um, over the centuries has made just that tragic error of the pendulum swinging to, to, to polar opposites. You have like the Armenian ideal of, of it's all free will, right? And, and thus all free will means that all storms are your making they're either the evidence that you're doing the right thing or they're the evidence that you're doing the wrong thing because it's, you know, God is not in control. This is the byproduct of your decisions, your will, your choice. But then on the flip side, we have like complete God sovereignty, no inclusion of human will and action. And it's like the opposite. Like, well, everything that, you know, it's, it's all this cosmic thing when that's not necessarily like you're just being stupid. Um, you know, you're the moron. Yeah. Don't blame God for this trial. This is just you being an idiot. Um, which I think is, is fascinating. Like, like you, like theology matters mm-hmm. and how you get into the nitty gritty of life and the, the, the changing of seasons, um, is, is again, I think, I think kind of relevant to it. You guys have any other thoughts before we close with just a couple minutes of Braves talk? Uh, I, I think I, one more thought on okay. being stupid Balaam. Balaam is a really good one all he could do was bless the the children of God he couldn't curse them I Mm. I think that's a good example of being (laughs) Balaam should be a topic in and of itself (laughs) right (laughs) yes I agree Uh, Balaam's pastor was a jackass right (laughs) (laughs) which is the pastor of Calvary 316 (laughs) (laughs) so Justin you asked me an interesting question about Freddie Freeman about Freddie Freeman the Atlanta Braves and this is the Outlaw Radio Show. This is an unscripted Bible study. But this is, guys, we, we need we real need talk. To as it as it this we is, need, we need this to pray, pray for of, Freddie Freeman. One but, of the reasons but, that we pulled this joker off of the radio is so that we could do whatever we want. So if, if you have no interest in the Atlanta Braves, uh, you can turn off the podcast. You can just turn off this, you know, before we do this. Any other, any comments, anything online, Creighton? Uh, any, no, we no do not. Any any critiques? Any positives about the mustache? Yeah, well, oh, I yeah. haven't gotten any. No, did did somebody text you? Did somebody text you a comment? Not about the mustache, but my wife had a good nickname for Justin. Oh, hold on, said, hold on, no, 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 no. I've told your wife many times that we don't take comments. It's jamming Justin. Oh my gosh. honeycomb Holcomb. That's too much. It is a lot. That's honeycomb. a mouthful. So much. Honeycomb's a good one. <laughs> honeycomb. Yeah. Honeycomb. No, I like, no, I like honeycomb like, better. It's like yo, big and sweet, like a honeycomb. It makes sense. I think big and sweet might be big might be a good big, BS. What's up, bro? Big BS. and sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're still gonna have to work on a good nickname for Justin, Derek. 
Um, has not come up with any. His wife had to pitch him one. I've been busy describing like sin. Okay, yeah. Like Thanks that. for that. You know what? Even <laughs> if I don't get a, even if I don't get a nickname, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Okay, Freddie Freeman. Let's close it Solid. out with, with a little Freddie Freeman talk. So if you're if you're outside of the Atlanta market, our our all star first baseman, Freddie Freeman. He's 32 years old. He's been with the Braves since he was 17 years old and drafted in the second round. Um, came up to the team when we were good. We quickly, he spent six years in, during the rebuild, but stayed with the team. Wanted to be part of that. Has been rewarded by seeing um, our meteoric rise. And now he's a world champion. He's 32. He's had a good contract. Deferred some money. He's had one contract coming off of his, his, his minor league deal. But now Freddie Freeman is a free agent. And we've known this was going to happen for two years Freddie Freeman from day one has been like, I want to be a brave for life, like Chipper Jones. Um, and the Braves have been like, we want Freddie to be a brave for life, like Chipper Jones. First, being with one team for the duration of your career uh, doesn't happen often. Like, like There are very few instances of that happening. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, I mean, there are some. Um, but baseball is a business, and the, the longevity with one club isn't the norm within the business. Um, even the famous Dale Murphy, you know, didn't finish his career with the Braves. He ended up with the Phillies. Hank Aaron, you know, they, they let go of Hank Aaron. He went back to Milwaukee um, for a year, maybe two. Um, so it's it's a, it's a it's an abnormal thing to spend your entire career because there reaches a point where the the, the franchise. It's just not willing to, to put the money behind what will be a fading talent. Now, Freddie Freeman won a World Series. He's 32 years old. He's going to want six years, and he's going to want somewhere around $200 million. That's the reality of it. He's a free agent, which means the Angels, the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Yankees. There are other teams with massive payrolls that will be able to offer Freddie Freeman the number of years and the amount of money that he wants. Now, the question is, should the Braves or will the Braves match the offer or at least come close enough to the offer whereby Freddie can make the decision, you know what, I really do want to be a, a Brave for life and I'm willing to put my money on the table to do it. I say he doesn't, and I say the Braves shouldn't, and I'll give you a perfect example of it. Okay, so you're asking if the Braves should do that? And I don't think they should. Mm. And well, here's I mean, why. I love Freddie Freeman. And yes, I have a jersey with Freddie Freeman on the back of it. I have more jerseys with the Atlanta Braves on the front of it. There was a time, a long time, that I was a Braves fan. Freddie Freeman was not on the Braves. And there will be a lot more of my life where Freddie Freeman will be not on the Braves, regardless of whatever happens with this contract. I am a Braves fan, first and foremost. I love the fact that we got a World Series. It was unexpected. We probably shouldn't have, but that's baseball. <laughs> I bring up, and here's my example, Jessica, because you're giving me that look. You're giving me that look. I care more about the Braves than I care about having Freddie Freeman on the Braves. I care more about us being competitive next year and in the years to come, then I care about having Freddie Freeman on the Braves and us being a, a borderline playoff team because of the payroll constraints that such a large contract will yield to a team that is salary-strapped. I'll give you an example. It's a perfect example. 
The St. Louis Cardinals won a World Series. And they won a World Series with a first baseman that had been with their franchise since he was like 16 years old that they drafted. He was a surefire Hall of Famer. His name's Albert Pujols. Won a World Series. Albert Pujols was due for a MAGA contract. The Angels came in and offered him a number that was crazy, and the Cardinals were like, no, thank you. This was their franchise player, first ballot Hall of Famer. He had a statue out front. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to do it. The money doesn't make sense. The number of years doesn't make sense. This is a business. They made a terrible, difficult, had to have been a gut-wrenching decision for their fans. Because they all had Albert Pujols jerseys that now he's an angel. Had to have been terrible. I remember when it happened thinking, That's, that stinks. What happened? Over the next couple of years, the Cardinals won two more World Series without mm. Albert Pujols. You know how many Albert Pujols has won with the Angels? Zero. You know how many times he's been to the playoffs with the Angels? I think zero. It, baseball's a business. You've got to detach yourself. You have to detach yourself from the emotion. I understand that. But today's world, you have franchise players that people go to see at the stadiums. Also, Marcelo Zuna, if we get rid of him, and they already the Braves already said they're going to increase the payroll. So if those two things happen, there's going to be some free space there. And I think Freddie's good enough to last at least two, three more years. Okay, okay, two or three more years. And if he's if he puts up MVP numbers for two or three more years, then I'm okay with the Braves eating the last three years of the deal. But that's a big if. He'll be 33, 34. Just, he plays every game. He's stubborn that way. Um, he doesn't like being out of the lineup. Um, I think that there's a longevity concern. If, if you, you, the Braves have the window to really do something. And if Freddie, if Freddie was willing to take four years, even five years at 180, 150, a Paul Goldschmidt style deal. I say you do that even if you know you have to eat the money. But what he's going to be offered by either San Diego and his wife, his wife is more interested and being, you know, the, the the true baseball wives of Los Angeles, it gets I, trouble. Like, this is not all Freddie Freeman's decision. He's from California. I think he's going to go back to California. Mm. Anyway, that's I, – I love Freddie. Thank you for the World Series. We'll love you forever. But the business is the business. And here's the thing. We'll close with this. If the Braves didn't win the World Series – and Alex Anthopoulos, our general manager, makes the decision to let Freddie walk, he gets roasted. Like, absolutely roasted. What Alex Anthopoulos did since the trade deadline, bringing a world championship to the Braves the first time in 26 years, and it was clear that we won the World Series because of the moves that that man made. Okay? That guy has, has if there was ever a time that he had enough capital and the fan base will be ticked off, but he has enough capital with the fan base that you can't help but take a step back and say, you know what? You got us the world championship, and uh, I'll give you a year or two to see how this plays out. I can see what you're saying happening. I'm, not I'm making like, a compelling I'm not, case. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not liking it, but I can see it happening. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. One player doesn't win you a championship. But one player with a terrible payroll 
can keep you from a world championship for years. Ask the Angels. There's a, a whole long list of teams, mm. you know, that prove the point. So, anyway, Creighton, you got anything? Any parting words? Oh, I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake. All right. Uh, oh, my goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all. Maybe we should talk about Pokemon next time. We'll stay. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yeah, and then, and then I, I die. <laughs> anything? Uh, I No. Baseball. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, listen, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Derek. Justin, thank you for joining me, Craig, and thank you for being here. Once again, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you join us this time next week for another episode of the Outlaw Radio Show. Good, 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 good night, folks.